0: Welcome to Season 8 of the Keeping Things Alive podcast out of Western New York. My name is Laura Evans. I'm a former environmental lawyer, current natural resources planner, animal lover, and gardener. I'm also the author of Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law, which is available as an ebook, paperback, and audiobook. The Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges as we all live together on this beautiful, living, and interconnected planet Earth. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. We are in the middle of season eight. This is going to be about kind of the last month of episodes, and I'm sitting here with my friend Sarah Sorcy. She is a community herbalist, and she's been on the podcast before, And I'm going to actually turn the microphone and the leadership role of this episode over to her. Um, I've asked her to interview me for this season just to get a different perspective on what I've been up to and yeah, instead of me like monologuing into it, I wanted to uh, be with a friend and a person who I really admire to ask me questions and that way we can have a, a new form of a conversation. So Thanks, Sarah, for being here and doing this with me.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Laura. I've always enjoyed being on the podcast. And yeah, I know this has been kind of a big year for you with the release of your book, Silent Seasons, a year ago and kind of some transitions in the works right now. So I mean, this feels like a great time to get to look into that a little bit together. Yeah, thanks. So um, congratulations on your, yeah, one year anniversary of your book. Thank you. And I'm just curious like when I think about writing being a pretty like solo activity I'm wondering if since you finished the book and maybe you've been transitioning more into like promoting it or you know um if that has led you to be able to bring it more into the community or if you've had any noteworthy interactions or have gotten to meet new people around it what's that been like
0: Yeah. Um, so it has been one year since silent seasons in paperback and ebook has been here. I think it was like September 22nd or September 30th. I forget. Um, I should, I should know, but, um, I kind of can't believe it's been a year. This has been like a really whirlwind. Um, I don't know, time going very quickly type of feeling, but I, I'm very like grateful for the book existing and like the experience of doing it um it's in a it's a similar feeling to this podcast where it's like I have like a physical thing that I can give to people now like when I talk to them and I try to explain like what I do or what I have done or my views on environmental law and sustainability it's It's really hard to explain sometimes. And so I am really grateful that I have this like best version of how I feel um, that I can like give to people. And like, yeah, it's like giving them an information download without me having to sit there and do it. It's like I can, yeah, kind of multiply that. And it's, and so that's been really powerful. Um, And it has been just a really, it's always a good thing to talk to people about and they're definitely very curious and then you can also there's also the ability to I mean sustainability climate change environmental degradation all of that is just it's it's definitely like amping up in intensity which I say that's like one of the purposes of writing the book is that more and more people are wondering what's going on and what has been going on and I think that my book speaks to that pretty well. And so that's been a good way to interact with people. And then there's also like so many different festivals or events or like, you know, there's a reason to speak. Um, There's a reason to reach out to different groups. Like there's just this like physical excuse. And I feel that way about this podcast too. Like, I'm like, do you want to talk to me about being on the podcast? You know, there is like, there's like an opportunity to like share information or share space with people. And so I'm really glad that, I created that and did all of that um and that being said I think this will go into more of like lessons learned like we'll talk about later but I also don't think that I've like fully tapped into like the reaching out part of people and you know I'm trying it's still to me like you know a new book in a way although it is interesting like as time has gone by how like still I did write it in 2021 and we're in 2023 now so um yeah I I really do um I think that there is like you know some unt just with like all of the transitions of my life I haven't like really shared it as much as I could um but when I do it has been really powerful and I've gotten a lot of really um yeah just important feedback um from different people my My mom had her 50th high school reunion this year and she ended up like, you know, (laughs) by buying some books and giving them to certain classmates because like the, you know, the dinner of the first night, like they were like, they had worked in the environmental field and stuff. And so, you know, she was like, oh, my daughter just wrote a book about that. And then I was able to like email with them like in Mm, the future. So I really do like that, Um, but yeah, it's also, it feels like there could be even more, and even just recently, I've been able to, like, share my book with people who are actually doing, like, climate justice organizing work, and that feels really good, because those are the people that I, like, I have multiple, like, intended audiences for the book, but people who are really, like, involved in, um, climate and environment advocacy, like, I do want them to know what I know and, and kind of keep that in their mind, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, that's great. I'm also curious, as somebody who enjoys writing, too, um, like, looking back on the process of, like, writing and publishing and um, all the pieces I'm, I don't think I'm really aware of, of, like, what goes into publishing a book. I'm just wondering, yeah, do you have any kind of sustainability lessons that like came out of that process or like things you might do differently or well it kind of goes into what we were talking about before we started recording about like
0: procrastination and deadlines and like what that means and if they're like just a pure source of anxiety or if they actually do help you get things done Mm -hmm. because I never would have been able to write that book without being in like a program where I had like a um a teacher who was like teaching us a process and then I had a development editor who was like actively helping me develop the story and then I met with her every week and so I had to turn something into her um good
1: accountability yeah great accountability Mm
0: -hmm. and like I you know it was like there was a schedule like my idea of the book had already been accepted and so like this was the track and um so I just like I had to do it no matter like what was happening and going on and and so now that I'm like yeah done with the process it's been a year like I do have like other ideas for books to write um I've said this I really want to write a book about animals but I have found myself like avoiding like actually sitting down to do the writing because I do have a process now, but then I remember the process being really intense, and it also did involve, like, other people, like, holding me Mm -hmm, accountable. So I think it really does depend on the person. Um, I really did love at the end of writing the book how I had really gotten into a writing practice. Like, I woke up every morning and I wrote for an hour, like, and that did become part of my routine. And then once I got into other stages of the process – Um, I kind I did lose that and I, I do, that should, should, (laughs) I don't love that word, but, um, I want to be writing as a practice more every day, but yeah, as far as sustainable, like book writing, I would, I would join, I would do another, like, um, either have like a coach or, I mean, I'm, you know, I never like put in, like, book proposals to, like, more traditional publishing companies, I'm not really sure what kind of, like, development editor, like, support they would give you, Mm -hmm. because I, and I would, I would, uh, I would find Cassandra Sterling (laughs) again, (laughs) and have her, I mean, she was my development editor, she's still, yeah, in the publishing industry, and I would, I would seek her out again, because she was so good, um, but yeah, I think making it a practice is what makes it really sustainable. And yeah, I wish that I had like of I don't know, like something that wasn't like you need deadlines, but like I need deadlines. I just know that for myself. Yeah. Um now, but yeah, and then just start collect I think like collecting a lot of stories and then just like write I think also like writing like what you would want to read or like what you needed to hear Mm -hmm. I think that's something I really like about Silent Seasons is that I'm like oh like I kind of like I wish I had this book like when I was in my 20s and so I think I kind of did it for that reason um yeah and then also like being especially if you integrate your personal story into the book like I did um it is a really interesting, like cathartic and like emotional experience where you do kind of feel like you are able to like, let go of it, something like outside of yourself, but then it still exists outside of yourself. So I have definitely had the experience where oh, I always do. Now it's like every person I talk to, I'm like, did they read my book or didn't they? Like they probably didn't, but maybe they did. And if they did, they know a lot more about me than if they didn't. Mm -hmm. And so that, and you know, people don't always tell you like, so I have these awkward moments where I'll like ask people, um, and you know, whether it's yes or no, it's usually awkward, but, um, I, yeah, I've definitely like, I think I'm more aware now of, like, the personal ramifications of of putting so much of myself into a, a published piece of writing.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It seems vulnerable in some way, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I knew that it was, like, mm-hmm. doing it, but now that it's been longer, and even just thinking about, like, yeah, do I want to write another book? Yes, like, but do I want it to be as personal? No, mm-hmm. like, and I also think that I have... I've been really gravitating towards fiction, just, like, reading it um, and maybe writing it, but I just, I'm just like, oh, man, like, fiction writing is nonfiction. They just, like, kind of mix up the names and, like, make up a little little, imagine- like, making up some stories, like, add imagination, but I think that there's so many, like, stories, and in- they're able to put so many kernels of truth into fiction mm-hmm. because they're not so worried about, like, upsetting people or, like, whatever, so I, I don't know. That's also in the back of my mind. It's like, how could I write, like, sustainability fiction or something
1: Mm, that's cool yeah 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 well I'm also wondering um so in silent seasons you kind of take the reader through different chapters of your work life and I know since you finished writing the book you've kind of been in you know a new chapter so I just wonder if you care to share a little bit about kind of what's happened since that time
0: yeah so yeah silent seasons ends with the pandemic or like moving forward from my like pandemic pause and I do talk about getting into planning um, environmental planning and honestly just like urban planning like municipal planning it really isn't always environmental what that I'm doing but I never Really sat down to write a chapter about what environmental planning is, but I did mention that I was currently doing it. I just, I actually was going to write a chapter about planning, and then I was like, no, this is like my current work. I'm going to leave it out. Mm -hmm. But I am, I mentioned this in the last. Episode. It kind of came up organically. Um, But I am in the process of changing careers and going to school to be a public elementary school teacher. Well, elementary school teacher, I would like to work in a public school district, but I will see. I I think I'll have a lot of choices because there is like a huge need for teachers. But I'll also be at the bottom of the hiring pool. So who knows? But um, yeah, since I wrote the book... um, Planning has been, you know, that's really, it's kind of, it is like environmental consulting as well. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand, but, you know, I'm writing a lot like um, of environmental planning documents that follow the National Environmental Policy Act. That has been, that has been okay. You know, again, it's very much like what I was frustrated with um, is just like, it depends on the client, you know, (laughs) you don't really get to choose. And But my biggest issue, like, just in 2023, like, with, yeah, my own, like, work and where I want to show up, and it does tie into sustainability, and the teaching thing is that I... I've really hit a wall with, um, being in front of a computer, like from like nine to five, Monday through Friday. And it's like an extra wall being like in a remote setting. So I even write about in silent seasons, like the sustainability aspects of remote work, you know, you don't have to commute, you don't have to like have a bunch of outfits and you know, there's like, you can collaborate with people around the world and that's like very true, but like. I don't know, mentally, physically, (laughs) like I just, I can't keep doing it. And then also, like, yeah, just the deadlines and the never, you know, projects that go on forever. So, I come from a family of teachers. Um, I, I did work. I talk about this in silent seasons, going and working in an elementary school in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. In 2007 2008 I was a literacy tutor I was you know in the same elementary school supporting the same classrooms every day that was a long time ago um but I really enjoyed it and I think um as I've just been going through all of my different environmental jobs and like oh that one doesn't work and then you know trying to find something that fits I'm just kind of realizing that like the entire environmental profession just doesn't fit and that is pretty clear in my book too. Um, but I, I still, you know, continue to hold on. I still, you know, get paid better than I could get paid for other things. And, um, I do have like this huge body of knowledge that I don't want to totally like walk away from. And I think I am bringing a lot of it into teaching, Um, But I also am looking forward to still doing uh, podcasting and writing and gardening in the summers and having the summers be more like keeping things alive focused. Um, So, yeah, I don't want to stop entirely, but I am excited about being in a classroom, working with young people. And, yeah, like I've been thinking about this now for probably a couple of years, but like very seriously for the past year, like looking into programs and things. And I, I really do enjoy young people. I think so much of my environmental work is for younger generations and it is just, it feels important for me to be kind of applying all of my sustainability knowledge and experience and yeah cooperation collaboration like in an actual setting in my community Mm -hmm. instead of being like isolated in a room in my house and like you know just sort of like yeah just being behind a keyboard and a computer screen I I've been doing that for way too long and I do know that there are, I mean, maybe we'll keep talking about the education system. I mean, it has been very eye opening to me. Even, you know, I started my, I did two summer classes and now I'm in four like full semester classes at Buffalo State that are directly related to elementary school education. And yeah, there's, there's a lot going on out there (laughs) and I'm, there is a part of me that's like, wow, like this is, this is a lot. Um, but I also do see how, like, everything that I've learned, whether it's, like, the law school stuff or the elementary school experience or writing a book, um, making this podcast, like, everything, yeah, the planning work, the law work, it really does all support um, (laughs) being in a school as well. Um, And just, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about uh, the shift and the change and, sure there there is some computer work there's also a lot that isn't and yeah I being like in a community space like and even I don't know I mean this might be a little too like noble or something but like more of a position of service Mm -hmm. like I've definitely been in many positions of service to my clients but like not so much my community like really ever so um that is just something that I that I care about. and it's like a personal like value to me. And so, yeah, just trying to see where I fit um, and how it all connects. And yeah, it's been it's been really good.'ve I've learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot in my classes and I keep learning more. And then this this semester is all about being in a classroom, but next semester, I'll be spending two days in a school. And then the semester after that, I'll be student teaching. So I am looking forward to, like, actually being there. Um, this is, like, a good ramp on. But, yeah, a lot has happened uh, since I published the book. I guess, yeah, that's that's the way I'm moving, like, as far as, like, the seasons of my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's way. exciting to think about. I definitely resonate with your your point about, you know, after a lot of remote work and commuter, computer time... I, I've had the same in my work life in the last few years, especially during when the COVID pandemic was at its peak. And there, I think as far as like sustainable culture goes, I do wonder what the effect will be of, I mean, things, I didn't, things were, I didn't think things were going to get more like isolated than they already were. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just more and more people having remote work options and, and, I just think that feeds kind of the political divisiveness that's happening too. Like they're really, it's so important to actually just be with a wide range of people somewhere. Like, you know, what, yeah, if people aren't going to like religious congregations as much anymore Mm -hmm. and if they're not having to interact with a wide range of people in a work setting, it's just so much easier for all of us to be more kind of stuck in our own worldviews and not have to practice tolerance like day right. to day so yeah. yeah and
0: then like losing it I mean maybe like yeah tolerance and yeah like comfortability being around other people I've definitely I've been around more people like over the past year ish you know it's felt more like post you know quarantine kind of times mm-hmm. but yeah there's been a few times where I've run into somebody or like been at I'm thinking in particular of, like, the Central Rock gym and, like, someone comes in. I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't seen you since before COVID. And they're like, I haven't been around people very much, you know. Mm -hmm. And you can just – you can feel this, like, tension in them and, like – and it's just kind of rampant. And, you know, Western New York has its issues already with, like, being isolated from the winter time. You know, people really – Uh, Yeah, by the time March comes around, it's, like, it's kind of spooky, like, in grocery stores Mm -hmm. and stuff, I feel like people, like, can't handle each other, Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it is something that I, before COVID, I would have, like, thought, like, oh, my God, that's amazing, like, I'm an introvert, I will absolutely love Mm -hmm. to be, like, away from everybody, but not forever, Mm -hmm. and not all the time, like, that's, I need, like, a break, but I don't want I don't want to be separate forever. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, agreed. Well, with teaching, uh, I'm curious how you chose. You chose elementary mm-hmm. education, and yeah. I'm, when I thought about, you know, I think many of us have probably thought about being a teacher at some point in our lives because it's like the the profession we all were exposed to first, kind right,
0: of, <laughs> right, right.
1: Um, but I just wonder how you chose what level to teach at.
0: Um. Well. I don't know what it is. I, I feel a little guilty about writing off high schoolers like immediately because I actually do like my sister's a high school swim coach and I've been around, um, a lot of, yeah, people that are, yeah, I, I don't have anything against high schoolers, but I guess I didn't want to have to get like that drilled down into one topic. I, I really do like the appeal of I think it's through like fifth grade is where you kind of teach every subject like in your Mm -hmm. classroom. I don't know why that appeals to me, maybe, but I did think about it. And then just being around a variety of children through high school, I really do enjoy like second third fourth fifth grade and then just over the past couple of years like getting to know particular kids and like their like particular like homework and what they're learning in school I just kind of gravitated towards and I'm like I would like to be teaching that like to a bunch of kids and then have you know my schedule like carefully laid out for me so I can like make plans into the future that sounds great um I also, yeah. So that I think that's why the level it was like not narrowing in on one topic, Um, and then yeah, just enjoying. I I don't. I mean, I would do kindergarten or first grade if I had to, but I like the idea of being able to like have a little bit more of a conversation and like exchange of information between me and the students. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't know there. I mean, this, yeah, there's still like more of a love of learning <laughs> when they're, mm-hmm. that is not for everybody, but I just, I think that it would just, it seems like a very important age to, for like them to just, you know, have like adults in their lives that like, you know, provide them with honest information that like, you know, they can use to like move through life and like what's happening like in, in school and, you know, in life today. I don't know. That's sort of where I went with it.
1: Yeah. I hadn't yeah. really thought about, um, I do remember elementary teachers, you know, being responsible for all, like all of the subjects or most of them. And I am thinking now about the opportunity to draw connections between those subjects more exactly. than maybe you could if you were only responsible for one, which also kind of mm-hmm. harkens back to your, that theme comes up in silent seasons too, yeah. like if, you know, if different People in different fields are siloed and you're not in a system that allows, you know, working together and exchange of ideas and it's not as effective. So, yeah, that's a cool opportunity or cool, cool approach to teaching, I think.
0: Thanks. Yeah, it is going to depend on what school I work for and, yeah, what their curriculum is and things. But from what I'm gathering in my classes, it does seem like teachers really do have a lot of, again depending on the school but they have a lot of agency about like like what and how things get taught and that is quite terrifying um but for me as like what do I want to do as my like profession and the way that I like yeah work to me it sounds great Mm -hmm. um I know that especially the first couple of years are gonna be super challenging and I hope I don't jump around too much I hope I can like continue like with the same like grade level so that i can like develop the curriculum like mm-hmm. over time but i i don't know if i'm going to get that choice the other thing i'll say about like public teaching in particular that has been important to me um is the opportunity to be a part of the teachers union mm, i don't yeah. really know where it goes with i don't think private schools or charter schools have that in the same way they definitely don't um i know people are trying but um and I know that like unions have their problems and stuff but I've just had so many experiences in my past jobs where I've been like like the only worker or one of the few workers with like a lot of bosses and just like no like real labor um opportunities like no HR if there Mm -hmm. is HR it's like you know um what's the word? Just like satellite, like they're just like, uh, yeah, consulted out or whatever, Mm -hmm. nothing in the right, contracted out. Um, so I just really love the idea of being able to like collectively part, like with my colleagues. I mean, I know it's not that idyllic and it's going to be hard. Um, and yeah, there's problems with everything that's organized, but, Um, yeah, being able to, like, have my labor be a part of an organization that's advocating for me sounds really amazing, because I've definitely been kind of out on a ledge without a lot of that support, Mm -hmm. so.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Cool, well, I'm wondering, yeah, if there's anything else you're interested in just sharing, or anything else on your mind in this season of, of life?
0: Oh, man, um, so many things I would say right now one of my things that's on my mind and you know ties into this podcast and then politics and stuff is just like and this has been an issue for me for a long time but like media and like where I get my information Mm -hmm. I mean obviously this has been a huge problem that people continue to like talk about and worry about and try to work on but I, you know, like just this past weekend, there has been a new, well, new um, war, right? And then like the presidential election is going to come up next year. And I really don't have a lot of like nervous system tolerance for like mainstream media right now. Um, I can just tell like when it's on, I like turn away and avoid it or like go away. And that's not how I want to be. So I've been trying to like read more news, but then I just don't know where to get it. So I think it's really been on my mind about how, you know, just our brains are being constantly bombarded with information and then like what that kind of does to all of us and how to engage with it and still show up, like not totally shut it out, but also not be overwhelmed by it. So yeah, that's been coming up for me a lot.
1: Um, Yeah. (laughs) That also makes me, uh, one topic I hear talked a lot about with media right now, I took a, a journalism class this spring and you know, chat GPT and AI was one of the topics we ended with because it's becoming more and more, relevant to journalists of course um i wonder if that's come up in your work at all i mean i'll be honest
0: i i was working on um, a project that was having me like you know list out and describe like climate change vulnerabilities for a particular town in new york state so i asked chat gpt and they they responded with like a beautiful answer and that was great. But then I'm like, OK, like, what, what was your source? Mm-hmm. You know, and they made it up and then I just couldn't use it. So I like I mean, I'm sure that there are interesting ways to look into yeah, using AI and chat GPT to do like environmental planning. I haven't thought about it like, hey, like chat GPT, like write up a lesson about, you know, x or whatever um to teach third grade students about niagara falls you know i could do something like that um i haven't tried that yet but yeah right now with the straddle of my work um there's definitely between planning and teaching there's definitely i to me i see it like as an opportunity to like potentially like enhance your creativity or whatever but i do think that like there's still it's still really like more like valuable and genuine when there's like human creativity like behind it as well um and then just totally separate from ai like i think i've definitely heard people talk about how like just being a creative person and like really like committing to your personal like writing and painting um and you know graphic art or whatever is really important to like in the face of AI, like, to still really foster human creativity. So, yeah, it hasn't really gone too much. I mean, there's so many different forms of AI. Also, I think maybe in the way that it hits with planning is just in the large amounts of, like, data that it can go through, like U.S. Census data, mm-hmm. and, like, that comes up in my work a lot. Like, I'm I'm often researching and writing about a particular place and like what's happening in the environment but that includes like the people so doing a lot of like socioeconomic evaluate analysis and like describing different places and the people that live there and I mean it is really amazing like the software like how quickly we can um pull information about a particular place and like Health outcomes, age, race, like average income, and it's all based on like data that isn't perfect, um, like U.S. Census data and American Community Survey. But it's pretty much the best that there is, mm-hmm. like at least standardized across the country. So, um, yeah, I think that there's like huge amounts of potentials, um, but also like, yep, can't I can't use it if it makes up its sources.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have the same. I've you know, tried it a few times when I'm working on like a class and maybe just want to like, if I have a question on my mind to teach about like, you know, what, what, um, angles have I not thought of? So I'll like type the question in, but yeah, I think at a, you know, during a time when learning how to source well is more and more important with, you know, just the poor, like whatever. Yeah. Poorly. Uh, poor sourcing in general, yeah, like people yeah. don't really know, and how like bias th-
0: stuff that's like made to look legit, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um.
1: I yeah. I feel like the best way to use it is like, oh, that's an idea that I will now like search for a legitimate source about like just this one piece. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really hope it doesn't lend to, um, just like considering any information on the internet legitimate, right. which of course it's not. So yeah.
0: Well um yeah my friend was like summarize silent seasons by laura evans and Hmm. it goes into ebooks and it it did a decent job yeah (laughs) i was like oh (laughs) shit i know it's crazy (laughs) yeah it's five seconds and it summarized that's pretty wild yeah yeah i don't know it's been interesting i guess I just want to also bring up things that have been on my mind like just because yeah we're talking and like plants have been such a big part of like both of our lives but I I would say like yeah gardening's been on my mind a lot like it's October so I'm like you know the garden is coming to an end I'm like harvesting what I can and like reflecting on what I harvested this summer and like I like It wasn't, it wasn't, I did not do well with squash. I did amazing with tomatoes. I totally like, I cut back my beans too much and then they didn't produce very much. So I think I'm just having reflections on, and even today before we recorded you were like, you said something about like, oh, we got the, oh, the acorn squash was like from the Mm -hmm. farm because like they're hard to grow. And so I am always talking about the importance of like gardening and like cooking for yourself, like for sustainability. And I still like really believe that. But I also just want to name that like it can't just be like these little individual like gardens for like you can't really just like individually homestead. It's like you have to like collectively grow Mm -hmm. and share. Um, I think, you know, there are like the herbs and I think the relationship to the earth through gardening is really important. But yeah, like it's got to be more collaborative and like a larger scale than that for it to really be like sustainable.
1: Yeah, this brings in the culture thought, too. Like, if we lived in a place where, like, I knew all the people on my street were gardening mm-hmm. and, like, oh, I'm going to grow something unusual. And then when I have a bumper crop, I can, like, walk it down the street and probably come back with five other things that, like, I didn't grow this year, you yeah, know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. that makes it just takes some weight off of everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that, that that's the, yep, the more, like, human communication and organizing systems that need to happen because – Yeah, it's, like, what I have been talking about with gardening is sort of, like, level one, um, you know, connecting, like, to the earth, eating what you grow, but to really get to this, like, sustainable thing, yeah, it's, like, with your neighbors and um, people you know and, yeah, just having, like, larger larger production methods or, like, yeah, like, finding the organic farm and doing the CSAs because, yeah, we're just – we're not going to be, like, just growing our own food individually. Like, mm-hmm. it's not happening. Um. <laughs>
1: this year in our garden, um, my husband, Patrick, planted, he wanted to try dry beans, like, rather than just, like, green beans that oh, you eat fresh. Yeah, um yeah, We planted a whole row of beans that we're going to, like, save and, you know, like, black beans or whatever. yeah. yeah. Like, be able.
0: I'm curious about those. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, well,
1: my sense right now is that, like when you think about paying like three bucks for a whole pound of them right like I feel like yeah once you get into gardening too you learn for yourself like what's actually worth growing because like wow you get so much lemon balm out of one little Mm -hmm, plant you know mm -hmm. versus like oh it's just so much easier to like buy that one from a larger you know someone who is a farmer Um, exactly but yeah how do you know if you don't try right right yeah (laughs) and I do
0: I keep learning more every year like i did i mean i think we should also yeah mention like your lumia boxes like i grew seeds from that and is it i have i still have like more seeds can i use them next year absolutely yeah okay so i feel like i learned a lot i was able to like get a lot of lemon balm um the marshmallow came up really beautiful the fennel but yeah more space like i would just do things differently um next year and Mm -hmm. i will so yeah it is like a seasonal yearly process and yeah i think specializing in what you grow and then being able to collaborate with others would be really good i have been so my big lesson learned from last year to this year is that you can harvest your herbs throughout the summer and they'll Mm -hmm. get bigger and bushier instead of just harvesting them at the end so last year i just grew them all throughout the whole year without harvesting until the end but this time I've been, like, I've been making tea all year, like, with my dehydrator or all growing season. And, yeah, that's been, that's been good. So, yeah, I'm more of a, I'm more of a tea herb person. I, I mean, besides the tomatoes, that's really as far as I can get. So.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's amazing how much you can get out of a few herb plants. Mm-hmm. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, everybody keep gardening. I It is important. It's just, it's important on a different level, I think, mm. than I kind of wrote about before so
1: yeah Yeah, definitely keeps i don't know i think adding a little bit of beauty in life you know even if it's just a container or two it makes a big difference for my mental health also yeah
0: yeah yeah i think yep flowers have been the bachelor buttons mm-hmm. in your Lumia box have been really amazing and it is like it's so cool because the more that you harvest the more that pop up and they're still they've been blooming all year so yeah
1: what a good I keep like hearkening back to your sustainability lessons that's a good like it's not a zero-sum game like right. pick, you take more you get more like yeah <laughs>
0: seriously like, <laughs> like 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 tenfold I don't even know I've literally been cutting like flowers for like three months now and Mm -hmm. they haven't stopped and like i have jars of bachelor button flowers like that i've been mixing with tea it's been great yeah um so yeah the biggest success has been in the herbs um and yeah the continual harvest um
1: Yeah, and maybe I shouldn't say you take more, you get more, but like if you tend Tend it, yeah, Yeah. and it's like you're Mm -hmm.
0: nurturing it, and you're like, yeah, there's more of a reciprocal relationship, Mm -hmm. and that's something that gardening has really taught me is like how much more you can like foster and grow. Like it's a collaboration Mm -hmm. with like the plant and the earth as opposed to um, yeah, just taking from it or yeah, one. I mean, I even remember when I first learned community gardening, I didn't realize you could just keep taking leaves of kale off of a plant like continuously I thought it was just you chopped it off once and that was it and I remember like yeah being like 28 years old and be like oh my gosh <laughs> so yeah yeah it's like it's interesting I, I do learn something new every time I try something else so yeah yeah I think it's yeah that connection is still really important like I never want to lose that but yeah growing it with more people would be really good
1: Mm -hmm. agreed well you can take home some of these ground cherries sitting on my counter I will (laughs) yeah no they
0: look amazing (laughs) yep that's a lot of ground cherries yeah it's
1: a great example it's just yeah you get so much and you don't need them all so it's a nice way to make friends with your neighbors yeah exactly yeah (laughs) well Yeah, Laura, it's been great to uh, just get to pick your brain a little bit today. And yeah, anything else you want to leave us with, or oh, uh, would you care to answer the question you ask at the end of every? Oh, uh, every...
0: I didn't. I didn't think about that. Where I experience a world that's dying, <laughs> when the being born to take its place. Oh man. Okay, I really didn't think about this at all, but I will say something. Um, I, I mean. I don't mean to take this, like, super... I'm going to take it pretty literally. Like, I really do see, like, I mean, just this, like, older generation of leaders. Like, I don't know, immediately, like, I mean, I I don't like to talk about other people unless they're elected officials. And I keep thinking on this podcast, I keep thinking about Mitch McConnell, like, kind of, like, just, like, zoning out in the middle of his speeches and, like, just being, like, clearly, like, very, very, very elderly, like you know tip of the iceberg is just to say that Mm -hmm. and then like he's like one of many like in different like in politics but also like in media and entertainment and sports and like all these different industries where like concentrated at the top are like some very 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 elderly people and I think that like yeah their world is dying and like one that is much more the world that's taking its place is one where like younger generations are like taking up space like in the culture and hopefully in power but you know there are like big holes to fill I mean even in this like the teaching realm that I'm getting into like the reason that You know, there's there is a huge need for teachers because so many people are retiring. I mean, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like it's just like a. it seems like the you know, I hear people talking about, you know, different generations and baby boomers all the time. But like they really are like phasing out of the workforce like really hard right now. And I think the the psychology that they bring to the workplace the um culture and everything is dying like it's going away and so what's coming up is like a lot of people who've never had the chance to like have power make their own choices before and I think a lot of us and a lot of our generation are just like whoa like people have been telling us what to do like our whole (laughs) lives like what now and like yeah, it's definitely been framed to me of like, yep, being in my thirty, late thirties, like you can round up to forty, like that's that's the adult age, and so like I really do think, yeah, maybe like personally for me, then like sort of like how I've shown up as like a child and a teenager is dying, um, and then what's taking its place is like more of an adult version of me. So what that looks like on the day-to-day kind of varies, but, um, yeah, I think that that's, um, that's what I, yeah, that's how I'd answer that one.
1: Yeah. That's exciting. I just had a vision of you, like surrounded by kids and community in a school that feels like a pretty good yeah, yeah. direction to be heading Thank in. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm excited about it. Yeah. I, I think I've definitely shown up as a kid for like, and then treated like one and that has been kind of an issue looking younger than I do, but also just showing up that way. So um, feeling, yep, more empowered um, because of what I'm doing, but then also just like the reality of time, you know, Mm -hmm. and the reality of aging. Like it's just, it's a part of life. And I'm definitely grateful to be older um, because it means that I have all this experience and I've seen all these different things, but, you know, to really use it and apply it to a new chapter Mm -hmm. is is a lot yeah but i'm excited
1: yeah i'm excited to to hear more as it comes along thank you
0: thanks sarah i appreciate you being here and um yeah it's a i think this season is winding down i have a few more um but then yeah we'll just have to get together again next season sounds good great to talk to you thanks bye Thank you for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. For more information about sustainability, this podcast, and my book, Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org.